All right, super excited. We're going to get practical and enter into a couple of methods in prayer, uh, which are just full of powerful powerhouses of grace if we enter into them. Um, So I'm excited to welcome our speaker today. He graduated from the University of Pittsburgh and joined Focus in 2009. He served on several campuses and then has served as a parish missionary in Michigan for four and a half years. He currently works as a part-time specialist for the content team in Lifelong Mission. And he and his wife, Crystal, have um, five beautiful kids that you can meet and three in heaven. So please join me in welcoming up Joseph Gruber. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Direct, O Lord, our actions by thy holy inspiration, and carry them by thy gracious assistance that every word and work of ours may begin in thee and by thee be happily ended. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I am Joseph Gruber. You may call me Joseph. (laughs) And I'm here to talk to you this morning about Lexio Divina. A real quick survey. Tell me if you know Lexio Divina already by show of hands. The majority. Now leave, well, hold on, hold on. Leave them up if you feel confident that you could teach someone else Lexio Divina. Oh, great. So this is a very unnecessary class for you, (laughs) which is delightful. That means the stakes are very low. I could mess things up, and you guys could rectify them right quickly. Lexio Divina, three things we're going to do today. One, talk about what is Lexio Divina. Two, the four stages of Lexio Divina. Stages, phases, movements of the spirit, different wording for similar things. And then giving you time to practice Lexio Divina on your own. Great. So, all students by the end of this class should be able to. All students, you are my students for the space of 45 minutes. All of you by the end of this class should be able to which is also known as an ass bat. What is an ass bat? I'm not quite sure what an ass bat is. But the ass bats for this class are that all of you should be able to say that this class provided an opportunity for me to try Lexio Divina. That will happen unless I go very long. You should be able to say that this class enabled you to describe the method of Lexio Divina. That should be fairly straightforward. And, and this is going to be the tough one, you should be able to say that this class inspired you to use Lexio Divina in your own prayer life. That is my bar to inspire you. We'll see how I do. Do you hear God speaking to you? It's now 2022, 13 years ago in some months, I was in Annapolis, Maryland at the Naval Academy being interviewed for this relatively small Catholic apostolate known as Focus. It was a Saturday morning. I was at my first interview. The first question of the first interview was, how do you hear God speaking in your life? And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the deadpan nature of the guy interviewing me. Maybe it was my poor sleep the night before. Maybe it was because I hadn't yet acquired a caffeine addiction. But I thought he was asking me, 
establish your credentials as a mystic. And I was flummoxed. I had no idea what to say or do. I don't know what I said for the rest of that interview. I do know that when I left, I was in a daze. And I went to the room where all the other applicants were congregating. And I found a table. And I laid down underneath of it. <laughs> I was convinced that every one of the applicants who were merrily going about their day, they were saints, they were mystics, and here I was, this just lowly, awkward guy who couldn't justify to this stranger any sort of auditory presence of God in my life. I don't know how far I've come from that point, but I'm here right now, so... Uh, at least the distance from Annapolis to Florida, right? I don't know if it was a realization that day later on in prayer. I don't know if this was a realization later on reflecting upon it. I don't know if this is a realization I just had after having been married for a while. But I realized that the question isn't really, do I hear God speaking to you? The situation is actually so very much more like this, which happens very often where my wife will share incredibly important information, <laughs> incredibly important information with me. I think I got it, but just in case, tell me the whole thing again, I wasn't listening. <laughs> and that that actually is very much more my relationship with God most of the, t of the time. It's not a question of, is God speaking to me? The question is, am I actually willing to listen to him? I love the Lego movies, just FYI. All right, what is Lexio Divina? Lexio Divina is translated divine reading. It's pretty easy. Divina already looks like divine. Lexio, we get this. It's the same root as election, selection, collection, lecturing, lectern. All of these related words about either speaking, like lectern or lecturing, or being able to seize something, like to select or elect, which is very similar to the process of reading, where we seize words and take them to ourselves. It's an intimate dialogue with God. It's an intimate dialogue because God first speaks to us and then we respond. That's, that's what makes it dialogue, too. Did everybody bring your, their prayer book today? Just real quick. This should be a confusing question. It's sort of like a trick question. Your prayer book is your Bible. Yeah. Not that funny. Great. But the prayer book of the church literally is the Psalms, right? Like the, the Psalms are the prayer book of the church and more largely the scriptures. This is something that if you didn't know yet, now you know. Great, I love teaching. It's like saying true things and now you know it. <laughs> what is Lexio Divina? So where we got this is basically people wrote letters to monastics and they said, we don't know how to pray. What is it you do? And they wrote back saying, 
Um, I mean, I guess I never really thought about what I do, but I, I guess it's sort of like this and this and this. And people said, this is amazing. So this is like a program or a process. And they're like, well, I mean, sort of, but it's like a dialogue too. It's like, have you ever taken a class on communication? Have you ever taken a class? You, you've taken a class on communication? Great, yeah. And has it felt weird that people broke down the steps of like listening? Yeah. It, it's super weird. It's like, no, this is just how we talk to one another, right? But then other people will look at us talking and say, oh, this is what they're doing. It's this process of communicating information, indicating that you understand by a process of nodding, smiling, agreement, right? That this is, but other people will break it down and, and then you, we think, oh, this is a really alien thing. This is a really strange process, but it's not. It's based on a real lived experience of communicating. And that's what Lexio Divina is, except we're talking to God and he's first speaking to us in his word in scripture. So it will feel a little weird to take that step back and say, well, abstractedly, like these are the principles, these are the movements of the heart. But the lived reality, we're like, oh, this is just talking to God. All right, uh, a quote from Verbum Domini by Pope Benedict XVI, the privileged place for the prayerful reading of sacred scripture is the liturgy, and particularly the Eucharist, in which as we celebrate the body and blood of Christ in the sacrament, the word itself is present and at work in our midst. In some sense, the prayerful reading of the Bible, personal and communal, must always be related to the Eucharistic celebration. And this is the interesting thing. This, this, this both and, that prayer is both personal and communal. Like, all of prayer is in part communal, right? We're, we're gathered together in the, to the communion of saints. But it's also very personal. They are not mutually exclusive. They're actually mutually interpenetrating realities. Super good to know this. And the monastics, their experience of prayer flowed from the liturgy. They would be meditating upon the word of God as proclaimed in the liturgy, whether it being the, the hours of the divine office or at mass. That was what was the fodder of their prayer. They would hear the word of God proclaimed, they would receive it, and they would talk to God about it. The word of God is at the basis of all authentic Christian spirituality. I love this. I was in the airport yesterday and talking to a fellow who was on his way on a Christian mission trip to Mexico. And I was very excited because he also loved the Bible. And I think he was a little bit uh, confused because I said I was Catholic and that I loved the Bible and I wanted to engage with him about scripture and I wanted to share with him some of the fruit of my contemplation and I don't, I don't think he expected that to happen but I loved it because the word of God is at the basis of all authentic Christian spirituality alright four stages like I said this is about having a dialogue with God so there are, I'm going to go through all four, the reading, the meditating, the praying, the contemplating, but to realize that it's also about listening, about thinking, about responding, and about being with. I think that's very helpful to keep it in the context of a dialogue, to keep it in the context of a, 
real heart-to-heart with the God who made you, who sustains you, who loves you. Okay, preparation. This is just a good thing to keep in mind, especially when you are not at this kind of experience where you have scheduled time for prayer in a scheduled place where the Lord is present in the Blessed Sacrament. To note, like, during this phase two shenanigans, you're going to have to be very attentive to your preparation, quality time, environment, your posture. This was a cool thing, taking a communications class, that my posture actually matters, right? Like, everybody sit as if you thought I had something important to tell you. Okay, can we, can we just pause for a moment and recognize the fact that almost everybody moved? Which, if you think about what that means about how you were sitting before, Thank you. But we see it when we, when we think about it, when we realize, oh, something important might be said right now. This could be the cusp of something that could change my life. This could be a hinge point upon something. I, I could be different. I, I'm going to permit this moment to be a moment that could change me. That changes our, our entire posture. It's very vulnerable. One of the things about listening to somebody as if they have something important to say is that it's a position of vulnerability. Just a, This is a real quick aside, and this may eat into my time to teach you other important things, but I just love this. Do you know what this posture means? Not distracted. Not distracted. Do you know when this posture was used? Right. Somebody said it. When you're in this posture, you can't fight back. But how it was used really and truly, I'm reading the story of King Arthur and his knights to my nine-year-old son. And there's one of the lesser kings who discovers King Arthur, who had been in disguise for weeks in a really creepy way. King Arthur's, the story of King Arthur is really weird. Anyway, he is unmasked. And this lesser king looks upon this king of kings, King Arthur. Do you know what he does to him? He goes to him and he kneels before him and he clasps his hands together. And do you know what King Arthur does? Murphy, will you stand up? Will you come over? You can set your papers out. Will you place your hands over mine? That is what King Arthur did. He placed his hands over top of the hands of King Leo de Grants which showed his superiority. It showed that King Leo, what can I do when you're doing that? Nothing. Nothing. What have I just surrendered to you? Everything. Everything. This is the posture of prayer. Right? This isn't, this isn't like a, this isn't just like an overly pietistic gesture. This is, this is how we signify to someone, someone that we submit. We, we, we give over everything. I think it's important to know. I think as far as postures go, I wasn't planning on going into that, but here we are. Simple attentiveness, avoid distractions if you can, but also just don't get frustrated. Distractions happen, uh, and then open in prayer. All right. 
Reading. God speaks to us first. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce between bone and marrow. So we we should read his word. So how much of his word? Oftentimes in our Bibles we'll find that whoever did the translating or editing will add little subsections to chapters. I have found those little subsections to be about as much as I can handle in one sitting. So I would suggest like just a few verses to sit with at a time. One like coherent narrative moment is probably what you're looking for. And then consciously open your heart to the word. What captures your attention and awakens your soul looking for words, phrases, sentences that provoke. What do we long for? We long for truth, goodness, and beauty. There are truths revealed in the word of God. The action of Jesus is always good. And there are moments of profound beauty that will take our breath away in scripture. On the other hand, in scripture you also find things that disturb us. Things that we're like, that doesn't seem quite right. I don't get that. I don't even know if I agree with that. There are things that happen where we're like, I don't think that was a good idea. I I think that actually what is being manifested here is not good. And there are also things in scripture that are downright repugnant, ugly. And it takes a lot to be open to that and to say, okay, that happened. And to let that play out upon the wholeness of our person. To not say, I'm only coming to God with my intellect. To say, I'm not just coming with my will. I'm not just coming with my passions. I'm coming here as integrated as I can to be touched by the word of God wherever he wants to touch me. And to be attentive to that. What does the biblical text say in itself? What is provoking something in me? Sometimes we can read the same passage several times in order to see what is actually standing out. Next, to meditate, meditatio. It's really cool when Latin is only like one letter off from English. (laughs) To reflect on the meaning of the word to me personally. Ponder this passage by using my imagination, my intellect, my will, paying attention to my thoughts, my feelings, my desires. Asking questions of the text, and more deeply allowing the text to ask questions in me. To let this be a moment where I can sit with it and say, why is this, why am I frustrated with Jesus here? Why why is this more appealing now? What's going on in my life where this passage, it seems to be speaking into something What does the biblical text say to us? And this requires a fair amount of honesty. If we don't want to be honest with God, I'm sorry, you may want to find a different profession. Oh, that's harsh. Uh, Come talk to somebody if you don't want to be honest with God. That's much, much better. (laughs) I don't want people saying, well, after Joseph Gruber's class, I, I left quietly never to be seen again. Uh, no, talk to people, talk to people. Um, if, we, if we're having trouble, 
talk to people. Definitely bring things into the light. The next step, I have found that meditatio usually flows pretty directly into oratio in my own prayer. So oratio, instead of just thinking the questions on my own, to start asking the questions of God, to talk to him about what I've been thinking about, to respond to what he's been doing, to ask him for something, to say, wow, there's something here that I really long for. May I have it, please? Right? To just let him know, this is what I've been thinking about, watching you, Lord Jesus Christ, watching you work in the life of this disciple, in the life of this man who needs to be healed, in the life of this woman who just longs to be with you. This is what I've been thinking about. This is what I'm longing for, Lord. What do we say to the Lord in response to his word? Contemplation. Again, with the one extra letter here, contemplatio. Uh, I told the, the Protestant guy in the airport that we, we Roman Catholics, we love our Latin. It's a little off-putting for a lot of the rest of the world, but, you know, within this bubble, we really love our Latin. Contemplatio is a graced moment that we cannot make happen. So when we're moved by God, we get to rest in his presence. It's like resting in the gaze of the beloved. He's looking at me, I'm looking back at him. This question is from Verbum Domini. What conversion of mind, heart, and life is the Lord asking of us? He's working in us. And in contemplation, this is a grace moment where we get to feel his working within us. All right. Um, All right, yeah, sure. I thought the next slide was different. But real quick summary. Lexio, the word of God comes to us. I made these visuals because some people are very visual. That's why I did this. The word of God comes to us. Meditatio, we allow the word of God to work within our mind and in our heart, to expand our heart, to be able to receive him more fully. Right? He's active after we've received his word. Oratio, we pour out our entire lives back to him. And contemplatio, this graced moment where we are joined together in love. I said at the beginning that Lexio Divina is an intimate dialogue with God. But if we actually practice it, if we actually know that God is communicating his very self, like what is the important thing that he has to tell us? It's not go talk to that person. It's not you need to change your life here. It's not the most important thing God has to communicate to us is his very self. And the most important thing that we get to communicate to him is our very selves, just as we are, and that active communicating ourselves to him will change us to become the saints we are called to be. For man only finds himself through a sincere gift of himself. In Lexio Divina, we're making a sincere gift of ourselves in the oratio. 
what do we call the kind of love where one pours out their entire self to the other and the other responds by pouring out their entire self to the other? This is Trinitarian love. Lexio Divina, when we enter into it, it's God's invitation into the very life of God. He's saying, yes, I want you to pour out you to me. The reading of the word of God sustains us on our journey of penance and conversion, enables us to deepen our sense of belonging to the church and help us to grow in familiarity with God. As St. Ambrose put it, and my, my goodness, is this beautiful. When we take up the sacred scriptures in faith and read them with the church, we walk once more with God in the garden. I'm going to read that again. When we take up the sacred scriptures in faith and read them with the church, we walk once more with God in the garden. Some people will list a fifth step in Lectio Divina. I think it's a good idea to do this because, well, our lives ought to change if we're praying. So, axio, again, that one letter, action. The process of Lexio is not concluded until it arrives at action, which moves the believer to make his or her life a gift for others in charity. When we're praying, our lives should be changing. We should be able to make a more sincere gift of ourselves, not just to God, but because to God, also to our neighbor. Our, our, our relationship with our teammates, our relationship with students, our relationships with family, with mission partners, with neighbors, we should be moved in prayer to love more purely. We should be more free to love because we've received the love of God. And that gives us confidence to love in return. A couple of bits of advice that I found helpful. Each step of Lexio is good in and of itself. We don't have to beat ourselves up if we don't finish or if we, quote, skip steps, right? This is a loving relationship with God. It's like if I go home to talk with my wife, there are times when we don't actually need to say anything and we just look at each other, or at least I look at her, she's beautiful, and she looks back at me and I could just look at my wife until the baby cries, right? And we don't have to say anything. There are moments that are graced in our relationship with God where we are just lost in the gaze of the beloved. And there are times when all we've done is just read God's word again and again and again and again. And we're like, nothing stands out. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to talk about anything, but I'll just keep reading. Lexio, 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 Lexio. Well, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. If you keep reading his word, it is doing something in you. We can come back to passages again and again. The passage that I'm going to propose to you in just a moment is literally one that I've been spending the last, I think, six weeks with. I don't, I don't know how to move on sometimes. Sometimes when I see the beauty in a passage, I just can't, I can't stop coming back to it and being with our Lord in it. And that's okay, I think. I really hope it's okay, because I've been doing that for uh, uh, like 15 years now, and if it's not okay, somebody should tell me. 
But where we find truth, it's okay to rest where we refine truth, goodness, and beauty. And then when we're like, oh, I think I'm done with this, we can move on. This is just a little bit of a practical piece of advice. If, if we're praying, sometimes it's helpful, especially if we're trying to get back into a habit of prayer, if we know that there are a lot of distractions, to have a piece of paper just to write them down. And then to take a look at them afterward, like things like, I need to make a dental appointment. Not absolutely critical to what's going on in prayer and your relationship with God, but also not unimportant. You should have that dental appointment. You should make one. And then it won't be a distraction anymore because you made it. So not only have a list of things to do, like that could potentially be distracting you, uh, but, but make sure to actually, actually do them. All right, to go back, all students should be able to. The first one, obviously, the, you, you won't be able to, um, <laughs> to say quite yet because we'll have 15 minutes to actually practice uh, you'll have 15 minutes to practice Lexio Divina. Hopefully that's enough to give you a taste. Hopefully you can say that this class has enabled you to describe the method of Lexio Divina. Four, maybe five steps, maybe six if you say preparation is a step, whatever. Uh, and then to say that this class inspired you to use Lexio Divina in your prayer life. That, that will remain to be seen. So, 15 minutes of Lexio Divina. I'm giving you this passage mostly because it's the passage I've been praying with. If you don't like it, the passage right before is the Transfiguration. That can be fun. Uh, not too many verses below this passage. Jesus brings a little kid into their midst. And then in the next chapter, a bunch of little kids come into his midst. So those might be fun for you too. I'm giving you the passage that has been meaningful to me of late. But that's not to say you must pray with this passage. I will read this passage to you and then give you time in silence for 15 minutes. Sound good? All right, let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come be with us. Lord, you know us. You have searched us. You know when we sit and when we stand. We ask you now to search us out by the power of your word, that we may be able to make a more sincere gift of ourselves to you, that we may be able to receive you in your word more fully, that we may be, may be able to hear what you have to say to us. Give us the grace, Lord, not to be distracted by what other people are doing or feeling or or thinking right now, may we have the grace to focus on you and your word. Mark chapter 9, verse 14, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd about them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a dumb spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. 
And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has he had this? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You dumb and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May I share with you a few things from me? Would that be all right? All right. Was that, first off, was that okay? All right. Many things have stood out in this passage to me over the past few weeks. The line, you dumb and deaf spirit, was really speaking to me today. The father described the spirit as a dumb spirit. He knew that his son could not respond to him. Jesus said, you deaf and dumb spirit. The son wasn't just prevented from speaking, he also couldn't hear. And the father had no way to know that, that his son was wandering the world in a world of silence. He could neither receive nor give forth words. How lonely that would be for the son. How lonely that would be for the father who desires to speak to the son and his son can neither receive nor respond. And how amazing it is that Jesus spoke in authority over this boy and gave him the power to receive the word and to give the word back. You deaf and dumb spirit. How many times in my life do I choose to not listen? Do I choose to pull up my phone? Do I choose to ignore what is going on in my life? When I willingly enter into the noise 
of, death, of deafness rather than the silence of the company of our Lord? How many times do I bite my tongue and not say that which ought to be said? Do I invite a spirit of dumbness in my own life? How many times do I prefer other people to be deaf or dumb so I don't actually have to relate to them? So I can treat them as an object over there? And how amazing this father was to desire a real relationship with his son, to not be satisfied with failure after failure, but to desire that communication. Goodness gracious, ladies and gentlemen, there's just so much in every passage. Thank you for sitting with me and allowing God to speak to your life as well.